This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Jerry Peters and First Class Mortgage. Our expertise, your peace of mind. Visit us at firstclassmortgage.com. Now, here's Jupe and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL Podcast, episode number 177. Well, Vigs, we had a month off. You know, we they first made an announcement back, uh, like I said, a month ago that uh, hockey's coming back. Hockey's coming back. We'll get back to you on the schedule. And uh, it wasn't until very, very recently that uh, we got our schedule and we got our TV and we got everything well, at least the first eight games. And they're not on every Friday and Saturday night at 7 <laughs> o'clock with having our pregame show on episode with Doug Wook and Frank Pizzacco. But uh. <laughs> we have hockey coming back, and Bob's got a good team this year, and it's going to be exciting to watch. It is. And uh, if you haven't noticed, you know, some of us might be, some of you might be watching us live on YouTube. We're, we're doing this YouTube thing this year. We're still, I'm still working out the kinks and how it's all going to work. But you can see Vigo there in his office. You can see me in my office here. Hopefully my dog uh, behaves back behind me. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but we're hoping to use this format. You know, we're going to have a Paul Caponegri on on the next podcast. And uh, trying to make it a little more interactive so you can see us. Because that's kind of the new thing these days, huh, Vigs? Yeah, video is king apparently in all the media. So let's uh, let's give the people what they want. Well, I don't I'm, I've got my... Uh, Go for uh, old school jersey here, Woogera, in honor of the new jerseys that they showed us. And I must say, I'm liking the gold breezers that they brought out. It's a solid look. I think it, it might cry out for like a gold or a white glove, but I'm okay. I won't push for it. The gold breezers. <laughs> I don't want the white glove. Well, sometimes when you look that fancy, you just want to push it over the top. Well, you think they'll bring out maroon helmets like they did about 15 years ago? In a pandemic like this, when there's the budget, I don't think we see too much. Uh, you know, we've already heard, you know, some Title IX things with budgeting, but now we have a pandemic. So it's uh, it's a whole nother layer on top. So I'm just happy that they got the 100th season jerseys and that they're going to be playing. Well, um, as most of you know, the season's starting tomorrow, Thursday, and then we've got a Friday game at 3 o'clock. Then they're right back on Monday and Tuesday. Then they've got some time off again and – um, obviously they're doing this for television vegs. Um, and it looks like they're also doing it kind of as for travel as well. Cause you know, I believe isn't Ohio state going to Wisconsin this weekend or something like that. Or they're, yeah. They're, they're doing like some trips like that. Yeah. It's almost like they want to try to get the four games done in one travel. Like when yeah. the Gophers go out for their road trip, you know, they're going to play those four games on one trip out. And the idea is, you know, you can control a lot of things when you're on campus and you're sleeping in your own bed and you're going to your own practice rank. Mm-hmm. But when you start traveling and you mix in airports and food and all that stuff, it gets a little more complicated. So I think this is just one variable they're trying to cut out because I tell you, Big Ten hockey is not like the NHL bubble. It's not like the NBA bubble. Uh, they're putting a lot of responsibility on the players to deliver and stay healthy and, and stay on the ice. 
They are, and, uh, and and the schedulers, I think, were kind of smart. Let's uh, pick up where we left off. Minnesota was scheduled to go to Penn State. You know, Penn State hadn't played in like a month because the way this, everything came out and the, the bye and all that stuff, and all of a sudden they got shut down, and it seems like the players – well, the players were really let down. We we could see that from the from the from the media. I mean, just Jack LaFontaine. He seemed pretty down uh, yesterday when he was talking about it. Uh, that you know, they just never got that chance. They wish they could have. Um, but that was the beginning of the pandemic when everyone panicked, and that's just kind of what happened. When one sport shut down, everything shut down. Yeah, there were a lot of dominoes that fell. I I remember even leading up to that weekend, talking to the players. They were anxious to get back and play Penn state. You know, that's kind of been the thorn in Minnesota's side in the big 10. If you wanted to pick a villain for Minnesota, Penn state fits the bill. They, they ruined the old WCHA. You know, they came in with this brand of hockey where shot counting is a little bit questionable. Uh, there's probably a voting joke in there somewhere. Uh, they are the reason we're in the situation we are with the conference mm-hmm. and it was funny until they started beating Minnesota and they have, <laughs> they have had their number the last couple of years. And I think we've seen it with the program. You know, there was a little bit of issue with the defenseman pipeline coming to Minnesota and Penn state does not let you hide on the ice when you're a defenseman, who's not confident and they come right at you. And Guy Godowski got the right amount of offensive talent to come play his system. And they were difficult for the Gophers to play against. And they, they they took them down pretty good for a while. That first series at the start of last year with a really young team, Penn State put up 14 goals in two nights. Penn State at Mariucci? <laughs> Not what people were expecting. Yeah. I'm, I'm not really sure what to say to that. It's just it, it, Penn State came along in a bad time with Minnesota defense because it was bad. I mean, you say little problems here and there, but – um, when you play Penn State, like you said, they're aggressive. You need defensive puck handlers that don't panic and make a smart play or either the smart play, which is the safe play or whatever it may be. But we kind of lost that in those years. And, and it seemed like last year we started making a dent here and there. You know, I think I think we didn't they split here early last year. Well, they got an overtime point. And okay. at, at Penn State, but they swept Minnesota at Mary Arena. Oh, it was right. not close. Yeah. It was not close. It was a bad series. Minnesota looked really bad against Penn State. That's right. I'm, my memory's gone. It's typical old so age. You're getting old. It's a gray hair. <laughs> it's the white hair. Woo. Everyone can see it. Everyone can see it now. I don't have the highlight on it, otherwise you just shine off of it. But now Penn State, you know, I, I do kind of feel bad for Penn State in, in the way that they had probably their best team last year. They had a lot of leadership. They had a lot of firepower. And, you know, even though they did have a month off, you know, they were going to make the tournament no matter what. It looked, you know, looked like to me. Um, or very close. And then they had the rug really pulled out from under them. I mean, Minnesota needed to win to get into the tournament. They needed to have a, a big tournament, but... Yeah, I, I I look at teams like you know Penn State or Mankato. Um, Duluth was just just peaking. North Dakota, they all had really good teams last year, and I think the tournament could have been just outstanding. Minnesota or no Minnesota, and uh, that was all pulled out. And now we start this season. We've got a block of games. The NCHC is going to do a little pod themselves. 
ECAC, oh, out east, they're in trouble. There's a lot of things shutting down. And, and uh, you know, we've got this first block, Vigs, but I'm not confident we're going to start back up in January. Yeah, we'll see. It's it's all kind of take what you can get right now. I think the one thing about these college teams is they are doing the daily antigen testing. You know, they're getting that test every day so that when there are cases, they're going to try to be able to contain them. I think one of the problems that could happen, though, for college hockey is we saw it with Colorado College this week. They have to do a 14-day pause because when you have cases start to come up within your team, it's really hard to contain it with hockey. Minnesota tried to alleviate some of these problems by going into three locker rooms for much of the last, I guess it's been almost two months now where they've been practicing. They split them up in the different locker rooms and tried to keep them separate. But as we found out this week, they're all back in the main locker room again. And so you, you'd think right now that the team is pretty secure with being able to play these next two games. And then you'd imagine the two games after that, but you never know. You know, these are college kids on campuses. Uh, you know, they're, they're picking up takeout. They're going through different <laughs> places and they're college students. So any day there could be a couple cases. And as they trace it out and they, it, it'll be interesting to see how safe they are. Cause it looks like with football, the contact tracing is pretty minimal where they just keep testing people who are the close contacts and if they all test negative, they let them play. So I think that's kind of what we'll see with the Big Ten, at least. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Well, yeah, like you said, we'll have to wait and see. And and, and like Motsko said, and I, actually with the players, you know, uh, Walker and LaFontaine, they said it's on them, and it is. It's across all of sports. Uh, it's on the individual players. You can't, the coaches can't watch you twenty four seven. If it's important to you. You'll stay home. You'll wear a mask. You know, you'll do all that you can or do your best to avoid it. Um, and, and that's just how things are going to have to be. And if they don't, they know that they're probably their season's over. Because, you know, all of a sudden you get a couple guys going down. You stop playing. Um, other teams could have the same thing. <sighs> it, it could get really interesting. <laughs> it could be tough. And as we as we look at this year's team, you know, they'll have three extra forwards. They'll have three extra D. Moscow's very confident in all three goalies that he has on the roster, which is a little surprising sometimes that you see uh, the closer get some uh, props from the coach. But the coach thinks he could play all three of the goalies. So he's got a roster where there is some flexibility there. But, you know, if there's an outbreak, there's not that much flexibility. Well, let's talk about Penn State coming into town. Um, they are a little bit shorthanded. Minnesota's got a grudge. Um, could be some for some fun hockey if all the teams, all the players, can adjust to a completely, excuse me, empty Mariucci. And here comes all the jokes. Yes, we know Mariucci is always empty. Blah blah blah. But honestly, um, if, even on those games when they had very little crowds, it's still loud in there just because of the way the building is built. But you know, this weekend they might have some family. Maybe Monday, Tuesday may, may have nobody in there. Um, it's going to be adjustment. The players talk about it, but it's whoever adjusts the best and whoever gets their game going. And will this grudge work? Is Minnesota fired up to play Penn State? Well, I guess we'll find out tomorrow. I guess we will find out. There's enough returning players for Minnesota. 
where I think they really have this game circled on their calendar. You know, you mm-hmm. look at Minnesota's lineup, you know, they return pretty much everybody, all their special teams, uh, a lot of their defensemen. You know, as I start to look at some of the lines and pairings, you know, I'm not sure where Mason never slots in. You know, he's a guy who can score some goals and he's got a lot of offensive skill, but I think we could see a lineup this weekend where it's going to be 12 returning forwards in the lineup. We look at the defenseman, you know, I, I assume Faber will, will fit in there somewhere, but otherwise you've got six guys coming back who've played a lot of hockey. So, and then you've got goalies who've got lots of experience too. So Minnesota has got that chip on the shoulder. They've all been there. They've been through this. I'm sure those guys are tired about hearing about losing to Penn state, <laughs> you know, blowing those two third period leads late in the season last year to have to, you know, eventually go on the road. They got lucky to play Michigan at home for that first series of the big 10 tournament, but they had to go on the road to Penn state. And I remember us talking about on the podcast, if they just get a point here, you know, they'll, they'll get to play at home and then maybe they'll have to play someone in the championship game on the road, but no, <laughs> just like Gopher fans expected, there's a scenario where they have to go out there and, and play for their pairwise lives. And uh, I think they remember it. You look at Penn state though, you know, they've, they were stacked last year. You know, they, they were, were clearly the, the favorite going to the big 10. They answered the bell. They delivered they were in really good shape. They had the regional out in Allentown, I believe. You know, that was their year. And uh, they lost a lot. They still have Limoges back. They still have Clayton Phillips. You know, and they have some other young players. And they, they are starting to get a little bit more drafted talent at Penn State. I think Guy Godowski's offensive system is very attractive to those players. He plays a physical style, which, you know, I think the NHL teams like as well. So he's got a lot over there that people like. Uh, so it's going to be a challenge this early in the year, though, whereas last year is all Penn State's advantage. It totally flips, I think. You know, Minnesota's got lots of motivation and lots of returning players who know what it's all about. We can only hope, Viggs. We can only hope. And uh, for those of you uh, watching live on YouTube, you know, I see a few of you in the chat there. We got Eric, Tim, Brent, and Corey. Um, yeah, send us questions. We'll try to answer them as, as they come, you know. I see Tim Hapke. Guy comes across as smug to me. I I I really don't know. I haven't had much interaction with him like after games. Um, I always remember people used to say that about Guazdecki. He comes across as smug. And then you talk to him after these games, and he's like, not that way at all. Uh, he was very enjo- – I, 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 at least I found when I was around Guazdecki, I enjoyed him. I, I, I like – Guazdecki, I get along fine with Guy when I've interacted with him. You want a good Guy story, though, you should talk to Nate Wells. There's really? just something about Guy and Nate. They've uh, butted heads a little bit from really? time to time. Yeah, there's been some salty responses to Nate Wells' questions <laughs> in, in the in the scrums afterwards, which we won't have this year. It'll all be on Zoom, which is a little different for everybody. But Yeah, and you and I, we're staying home. Yep. I just, uh, I don't, I didn't, it's not a big deal to me. I can watch it on TV. Um, I don't need to be there and it, uh, you know, it leaves a, a spot for someone else to take in our spot or, or your spot at the athletic. And uh, I'm fine with that. It, these first couple of games, you know, if we start up again in January, I might, you know, go here and there. But uh, for me, I, I'm fine with staying home. I'm, I'm a hermit anyway. Yeah. Seats are going to be very limited to the press, I believe. You're just going to see coverage from Pioneer Press, 
Star Tribune, uh, Michael Russo, I think wants to get and see some live hockey. It's been a while for him. And uh, he's got 153,000 Twitter followers to my 2000. So I think it'll be good for the U to get his exposure with the program. You know, he's already breaking that uh, Bob Motzko uh, COVID story today that I think some people knew about, but you know, just Bob talked to Mike about it and uh, put it out there. And it, it was kind of an amazing story. You know, it wasn't interacting with players as a coach or, or whatever, or being, you know, Bob's not a nightlife kind of guy, uh, but he got it by being a hockey parent and being around with his kids in the association hockey deal. And also he had his knee replaced. And he had his knee replaced. And Monsko had season for off season. He did. Yeah. Couldn't put that one off anymore. He has the <laughs> longest stick. It's probably like a Chara type model. <laughs> so he doesn't have to bend over as so far. So he doesn't have to bend over as far. <laughs> like when he goes on a shootout, it, it looks like he's going for a joust. I but see Corey in the chat. probably got a shorter one now. I see Corey in the chat asking. He says, only see 14 forwards in the roster. But college hockey stats has Kester listed as a forward, which would make 15. But uh, that's an error. Kester is a, a defenseman, isn't he, Viggs? Yeah. Mikey Kester is going to be a nice defenseman eventually at some point. He was all world at uh, Chaska High. Mm-hmm. I think there was a little bit of a growing curve for him to, to experience in the USHL. He's a little bit smaller guy. He'll fit in eventually. I don't think he'll get a lot of power play time right at the start. Uh, Minnesota is going to have Jackson Lacombe and Ryan Johnson, I think, running a lot of power play time for them. I do think we'll see Robbie Stucker get some power play time. I think we saw that in a tweet or chat question you know he's one of the few defensemen who's got a big shot uh and so i think you need that on a power play to be effective and we'll see we'll see what else uh the power play units do for d i think the one thing is i've been going to practices for i don't know eight nine years now because uh don was very friendly to allow the media to do that kind of just kept doing it with bob and uh this year no practices so i don't get to see what their game plans are like I have in the past, and uh, don't get to see a preview of the units they're working with. But last year I saw a unit with Johnson, Lacombe, uh, Brodzinski that was kind of like a scout power play, and they were very dangerous. They looked really creative on the ice. They would switch positions. They would make the killers have to trade and get them out of their lanes. It would open up things. If those guys are out there together this week, it should be fun to watch. Boy, now all of a sudden I ask for questions, and now all of a sudden they're coming through real fast here. Uh, John Lewis, he wants to know about the postseason this year. So many teams canceling. Can they actually pull off a legit tournament? I think I think uh, it's all going to depend on what happens in January, Viggs. Yeah, Bob talked a little about this in one of his availabilities, that the coaches are talking about how to do a postseason tournament. There's a lot of things being bandied about from how to run it to how to pick the teams. It sounds like pairwise is going to be obviously out the window with most leagues playing just conference only schedules. So I think it'll be kind of a on the fly postseason if we get there. Mm -hmm. But I think the full intention is to have one and they'll figure it out as we go. It's just kind of the pandemic era. We figure it out week by week, month by month. Eric Brever, he's like, should we just cancel the season and crown Michigan the champs right now? Seems like a bunch of media is already to do that. Yeah, I don't think so quite yet. You know, they have a lot of talent, 
But I think we've seen that with a couple gopher teams where they have a couple big games early in the season where they show off their talent and then college players get yelled at in the film room about positioning and defense and systems and things start to tighten up. So I think early in the year, you can see some of these high scoring games as young teams, especially or unorganized teams struggle to, to figure out how good you have to be in college at playing your position. And those things get ironed out. I can't wait to see Michigan play a full schedule with this roster because it's got a lot of talent, but a lot of times there are growing pains with those. Um, the room, Brent Hoven asking about, you know, super bubble and NHL to do that next year. How will that affect early defects, to the pros uh, from the college ranks? You know, I could see that happening very easily. Viggs. If the, if the pros start up in January and uh, you've got a lot of, uh, colleges shutting down and kids are eligible. They may just say, screw this. I'm going to go to the pros. The only problem is. A lot of NHL teams right now are pretty cap strapped Okay, in terms of bringing up new players. I think you're seeing it be difficult. And then on the flip side, you could have a team that's trying to cut payroll where they would give spots to prospects to play. So it does kind of work both ways. I, I don't think you're going to see schools like Hockey East and Big Ten and NCAC have – issues playing the second half of the season and have a lot of defects. I think your Ivies and your ECAC teams though. I mean, oh those aren't hockey people making those decisions. Those are more yeah. academics and they're going to handle this differently. They're not going to be investing the resources that these other schools do to making the sport happen. I think we can talk more about that in a bit. And also we got, we got to the questions on the chat and uh, I want to get to some Twitter questions. Uh, but first, we need to hear from our sponsor. Jerry is uh, supporting us again this year, and uh, we really appreciate it, Jerry. Let's hear from Jerry. Hey, fellow GPLers. This is Jerry Peters from First Class Mortgage. Interest rates are near all-time lows and property values are on the rise. Lower your interest rate and remove monthly PMI at the same time to save thousands of dollars. Or use the equity in your home for debt consolidation and home improvement. The housing market is still hot. So make sure you're prepared by getting a pre-approval letter from me before you start shopping. Mention you heard about me on the GPL podcast and receive a $300 closing cost credit. Some restrictions do apply. Call me today at 612-940-3291 or visit firstclassmortgage.com to fill out a free online application. My NMLS number is 480200. First Class Mortgages is 322842. This is not an offer to lock into an interest rate agreement under Minnesota law. First Class Mortgage is an equal housing lender. And of course, we thank Jerry and First Class Mortgage for uh, sponsoring us again this season. It's always nice to have that. Vigo, let's hit up some uh, Twitter questions. I heard some coming in yesterday and today. Let's, uh, let's start with uh, Dale Beers yesterday asking, who will be the most impactful newcomer for the Gophers? Oh, you're muted, Viggs. I was yeah. doing so well. I know. Um, it's my Zoom skills. Oh, <laughs> Who's thoroughly. the most impactful guy? Most impactful guy. I think it's going to be uh, Brock Faber. You know, he comes from the developmental program where there's a lot of work put into all the skills that a defenseman needs to play high-level hockey. 
he was kind of a supporting player there, you know, supporting an offensive partner in the system and working in that kind of role. I think that's the similar kind of role they're envisioning for him right now at Minnesota. And, you know, there's a lot of offensive guys on that blue line right now with Lacombe and Johnson and Caster. So they're going to be looking for him to, to fill in that role. And I think he could play up because he's such a good skater. You know, he's, he wasn't drafted highly in the NHL because of his offensive ability. It's because he's a great skater. He's a safe pick. He's a big body. You know, he'll be able to fit in right away. So I don't think you'll see him put up a lot of points, but I think you'll see him get a lot of ice time. And I think the growing pains for him will be less than like a, a caster will experience. Okay. Hockey fan 2020. Do you guys believe the Govers can win the big 10 conference and return to the big dance? If the season is played out, <laughs> there's a lot of ifs in there. Besides a lot of ifs that. in there. <laughs> what do you think? Connor what, do, Connor, what do you think first? I just want to get your perspective on one of these first this time. Me? Yeah. Jeez. Oh, I'm not, I'm not feeling too good about the season actually right now. I, I feel great about the team. I think they're going to play well. Um, but um, one of the things I'm worried about is January. What's going to happen in January? You know, COVID is exploding right now. It's going to take, I mean, a huge Herculean effort to get to January and get a new schedule. So that's kind of my biggest concern right now. It's not even the team play. I'm encouraged about the team play. I think they're going to be pretty good. And I think a lot of it will depend on what Motsko says. He needs those... You know, those guys who were at 20 points to get the 30 points. And, you know, he needs an increase from everybody. And that's going to be a big deal. But, geez, Viggs, I'm more worried about COVID than the team right now. Yeah, I think COVID's a concern. But I think these teams with their testing and the motivated players are going to be able to get through it and figure it out. You know, we're seeing it in college football with lots of cancellations across the country here and there. But they're finding ways to keep going. You know, you haven't seen a team shut down their season yet. You know, they're going to find ways to keep playing. We might see some cancellations here or there, but I think the season is going to play out. And Minnesota is going to be right there. I think they've got yes. too much returning veteran talent. And it's not like these guys are coming back from injury or anything either. You know, they were pretty healthy at the end of last year. They were they were poised to make a run and and maybe get in last year. This year they're returning so many guys. You know, you look at the defensemen they're, they're bringing back. Those guys can produce. They can all skate. And they have veterans down the middle. They've got four centers who played a hot, lot of hockey last year. I got to think they're going to be better this season. So I think Minnesota is going to be a consistent team and it's going to be difficult to play against. Uh, hockey Fan 2020 had a couple more questions, but uh, let's read this longer one. Should we be putting a lot of expectations on this year's team? I'm ready for them to make a deep playoff run. Any thoughts on what type of team you think the Gophers will have? Speed, strength? defense or will they just win high scoring games uh Viggs uh I remember just Motsko a few weeks ago saying he or he wants high scoring he doesn't mind those high scoring games he kind of likes mind he doesn't mind high scoring games for his team he just doesn't (laughs) like it when they go a lot of goals against true he's okay with them making mistakes too I think that's one thing about a coach like Motsko is he's going to let his players play and develop Mm -hmm. especially in the first half you know, that's a time for him to let his team show me what you got. And then as they get going in the season, hopefully they've got enough work so they're not on a bubble, but they start to tighten things up. Yeah. So I think this team could probably win a game anyway. 
you know, they can win a, a two nothing game. I think they can win a come from behind five, four type game. This is a team that can put up six, seven goals. You know, they've got a lot of skill and speed and they've also got some decent size and, and strength. So otherwise what you're saying is just bring it on. <laughs> just, just bring on this season. That's exactly <laughs> right. Well, Tim Hapke had some questions in the chat. I know he's still got one on Twitter from a few hours ago. He's like, will Stucker be on the power play or will he be the power play specialist this year? Or will he be more of a role player ahead of uh, Kester and Faber? I think he'll get some power play time. I kind of see him as that seventh D and will get some power play time sometimes ahead of Kester. I'm not sure if Faber is going to be a power play type guy, at least right away. He's a good skater and things like that, but I think they're looking for a little more creativity out there. We know Bob likes offense, and and he's got enough options there with Lacombe and and Johnson and Caster to to get that done, and then with Stucker and the big shot. Uh, Brent Hoven in chat, he's like, uh, let's be, let's get the real hard hitting question going. What beer is Vigo drinking tonight? I've got a surly abrasive chilling for me. It's my favorite double IPA, maybe in the world. I know that some people like the Rube don't love Surly, but uh, oh. abrasive is is tip top. Yeah, he he's a little anti Surly to say the least. It's tip- okay. I I just like <laughs> the abrasive though. I I had a very nice beer from uh, Portage Brewing Company this week up in uh, Walker, Minnesota. I was very impressed by that. But uh, this whole hazy thing, I'm, I'm done with. <laughs> uh Joshua wants to know, what's the biggest culture change you've seen uh, from Don to Bob? I think everyone's maybe a little bit looser. Okay. I think a guy like uh, a Brandon McManus feels a little more comfortable in a Bob Motzko locker room than in a Don Lucia locker room. You see a little bit more camaraderie between the whole coaching staff and the team. Uh, maybe that's because they've, They've given them a lot of rope here to, to grow and where at the end, I think things were tightening up between Don and Grant and uh, Mike Denzel. Like you just felt like there was friction with oh, frustration. There oh, there definitely there's just, was. There's just that friction where not everyone's getting along. They can see that they should be here, but they're here. And everyone's upset about it. And everybody's got different ideas about how to fix it. And you know, ultimately Don would, be the hammer to make a lot of decisions on things like that. And I think that just rubs off into the recruiting pipeline, the the types of players that are coming through the attitudes of players, kids leaving early, you know, when there's a lot of friction, do you want to hang around with that forever? It's it's tough. And so I just sense there's a little bit more of a freeness right now and a little more happy go lucky attitude you know, I think Bob can be real serious what he wants to and Garrett and Ben the same way, you know, they can, they can lay it down when they need to, but I think just their overall attitude is a little bit more relaxed right now. More relaxed. And I have always thought that, you know, Motsko shows more personality, whereas Don really kept his personality to himself. Um, from what we know, I mean, Don's completely different when he's with his friends, but typically in the media, he wasn't as loosey goosey as you know someone like a Matsko or you know somebody like a, a Coach Hastings or even Gensel. When Gensel, you got him, you know, if you talk to him one on one, completely great personality. Whereas Don really kind of kept it in. Mm-hmm. I think you know he was just a little bit uncomfortable 
with, with some of the obligations of being a coach. Uh, I think when you're a high profile guy at a place like Minnesota, you're almost more of a CEO than a hockey coach. And you have to be able to delegate and being with the media, being with boosters, being on TV, be on the radio. Those are chances for you to grow your program and improve your brand. And I think there's just some of that personality that wasn't comfortable doing that. Yeah. You know, he's a guy from Alaska who's, who likes hockey, you know, and uh, he just kind of pursued this path with some success along the way. But I, I never think he was really comfortable in that role until maybe towards the end, even, you know, he started to soften up a little bit. Yeah. So I've seen this question a few times in the chat from various people, but they're asking about what are the lines going to be this year? And um, there's nobody there watching practices. It's we're not going to know unless Motsko lets us know or until they drop the puck um, tomorrow night. Yeah, it's, it's complicated. Usually we get a glimpse at what's going on or at yeah. least who's playing together. I just have a feeling we're going to see a lot of things the same. I think we'll see like that Burke Walker McLaughlin line start out the year together. I think Burke was pressing a lot last year and just wasn't really comfortable, but I think he gets an opportunity on that line because they have shown some success together. Another reason I think about that is because Ranta, Reedy and McManus played really well last year. Yeah. I mean, the leading goal scorer on the team was, was Reedy. And Ranta's right behind him. It wasn't Sammy Walker. Sammy Walker had the most points, but you look at Ranta and Reedy, they are very productive players and they're going to be difficult to play against. And they all need to step up like Monsko wants them to. And they, I mean, all of those guys you mentioned need to jump up if well, this team wants to be successful. Of, I think part of that's going to be a, a, a truly threatening power play. It almost felt like last year, a lot of times they would luck into goals or, <laughs> you know, it wasn't like a real pretty play or puck movement that produced a lot of goals. It was goals off the rush where you had players catching other guys out of position and taking advantage, or, you know, you get kind of a block shot and they'd make a play off of that, you know, that chaos. It wasn't organized chaos, but they have enough talent when there is chaos, they can capitalize, but I don't think that's something you can count on for a power play. You want to run it 30%. You know, it's a power play. That's like 22%. Tim Hapke asking if the BTN announcers are going to be doing the games remotely. I not sure on that. They could be, uh, I haven't heard. I, I think they might be doing it out of the Chicago studios. Because I know radio, when the Gophers go on the road, will be doing it remotely. Yeah, they're going to be doing it from TCF, Bank Stadium. So I I have a feeling that's where we're headed. I haven't heard anything one way or the other. I know it was a little questionable whether FSN would get involved, but there's just too many moving pieces, I think, for them to dip their toe in the water. Right now, at least. Um, And I'm not sure he's that. Someone's asking, do I have to suffer through Climber? (laughs) Jeez. People are pretty bad on Climber, but I don't believe, at least this first series, that uh, Climber will be part of the broadcast. Mm-hmm. I believe it's going to be our boy Dan Kelly, and uh, boy, I'm forgetting his name right now. He was just on the media thing the other day, and I'm just totally forgetting his name. <sighs> Who knows? But I, but we do know that uh, Cappy's going to be on the other games this weekend. Yeah, that'll be good. We like Cappy. Yeah, and Cappy's going to join us on on the podcast uh Sunday. Yeah, we're, our next podcast is going to be on Sunday. You know, with this weird schedule, we want to try to get in between. So Sunday night, we'll be back and we'll go over all this stuff and, and things like that. But just kind of a heads up, 
We got uh, Paul Caponegra coming on. He's kind of our guy to go to when when we play Ohio State, and he's been uh, more than happy to join us. So we take advantage of that as much as we can. Viggs, let's get some predictions on the weekend. I mean, we saw Wisconsin last week uh, uh, sweep Notre Dame, got to the top of the league. Um, uh, Notre Dame and Arizona State now at the bottom of the standings. Just hard code that in. <laughs> just hard code that in. I just, I just have a feeling that Arizona State is going to struggle playing Big Ten teams week in, week out. It is, it is relentless. I think Bob said it earlier in the year that you know, all seven teams in the Big Ten think they can win it. And probably all seven teams have a chance. I mean, look at last year. We thought Michigan State wasn't going to be very good. They were leading the league they going jumped, into break. Yeah, they jumped out pretty fast. You know, that was that was pretty surprising to me. Oh, boy. And I've seen all the, all the websites not having to reprogram their standings <laughs> because it's ridiculous now. I, yeah. I had to go in and do some custom programming. I looked at one site, and there was just all these letters going across. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Ties are gone. Um, it's 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 goofy now, Viggs. Three points for a regulation win. Once regulation's over, if you win in overtime, you're not getting three points like you did before. I think that's a good thing, personally. I want you to play for the win in regulation. I don't want I, you to I don't want you to sit back and play I, to go to OT. I do like it because it's different than the NHL. I've always thought the NHL have always needed to go to a three point per win regulation and you know go from there. They've never just they want too much parity. But in college hockey, I think this works. Um, you know, so you've got three points for regulation win. If you win in overtime, or if you win in the shootout, you'll get two points. If you lose in overtime, or if you lose in the shootout, you get one point. So if you're getting to overtime, you're at least getting a one guaranteed point. That wasn't always the case previously in you know, all the other iterations of the Big Ten and WCHA. So that part's a little different and, and something people have to get used to. But as far as the league, there is no more ties. It's gone. Great. It's great. But, <laughs> the big but here, according to the NCAA, it will be slightly different. Um, if you win in overtime, it's considered a win. If you make it through overtime, it's a tie and, you know, losses and, and what have you. So they're doing it slightly differently. So there are ties when it comes to the NCAA. And if you don't like that, blame Hockey East and the ECAC. Because <laughs> uh, we, we like to blame Cornell for quite a bit. So let's just add it to the list. So it, it is a little we'll different. It's, yep. it's a little different than what the NCAA considers a win, a loss, and a tie. Um, and we're just going to have to live with that. It's been that way. It, it, it's, it's been that way recently anyway. I mean, that part's not changing. Uh, what is going to change is how they're going to pick NCAA tournament. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen there? Smoky room. Smoky room. Don, I, I love you with a Barolo and uh, just, just <laughs> going, who's, who's the number one seed? We'll see. So I'm thinking sweep this Open week, up. Vigs. I, I think so too. I think that's that's the right call. Penn State, who knows what they're going to have coming back? Mm -hmm. You know, I think they've got some returning players, but I don't think they have the depth. They're going to want to play that high-paced game. And I know Bob doesn't like it when it's brought up, but playing that style on the big sheet at Marriott Arena, not always a great idea because sometimes a shot from the corner is basically like a turnover. 
So I think when Penn State plays that style here, if you don't have the horses, it's it's tough to be successful. Bring it on. Let's go. We are ready, Vigs. We haven't had hockey since, uh, was it March 4th? Something early in March? Yeah, I remember March 12th where everything started to really get shut down. And I think that was a week after the conference tournaments started to get shut down. So it's been a while. I, I know that the players are very excited to be back and to be playing against Penn State. I think that's a big deal for them. So I think we'll see some motivated players. The things I'm looking for, how does the gopher power play look? I thought it looked very uh, uncomfortable last year. Well, that always takes time, though. That always takes time. I mean, it usually doesn't go off right off the bat unless you get unless you can get some confidence early with some goals. That does take some time. You're not going to do right off the bat. They've had about two months to work on it, and I know Bob <laughs> likes to work on scoring goals. And so one of the drills he does is he puts his power play guys out there against two defenders and gives them that time and space to, to really think through what they want to do with pucks. And then you add in a third killer and then a fourth killer and the time gets less. But when you have that extra time, you start to have more of an ability to build those pathways about how you want to do things. And then when you have less space, you've already thought about the couple of options you have in certain situations. So you should be able to execute and they have enough returning talent to figure it out. So I'm just interested in the personnel I think the scheme is going to be pretty similar to what they've done in the past with the three players up top, you know, the kind of net presence guys on the sides of the net and drifting out to be that, you know, bouncer player in the middle. Uh, but we'll see what, see what happens. I, I don't know if they had true facilitators on the off wings the last couple of years. So I'd like to see them put some guys there who maybe are a little more comfortable. All right, I think that's going to do it for this show, Viggs. You got anything else that you can think of right off the hand before we head to overtime? Stay tuned to Gopher Puck Live. There will be some uh, articles posting on there. I know that the athletic freelance budget has been a little hurt by the pandemic. Michael Russo is obviously doing a great job keeping everybody in the hockey world informed, but there will be a couple things on GPL at least in this first half for people to enjoy. And, and of course, you can always follow Vigo at Evigo on Twitter. He's, he's got the scoops. Sometimes. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this GPL podcast. We're glad to be back, and we hope you like this video format. Just a note, uh, due to the strange hockey schedule, you know, we'll be back Sunday evening for another live show with uh, our guest, Paul Caponegri. And he'll be joining us. And then uh, after that, we'll kind of have some goofy schedules as well. Another Wednesday, Sunday, in and in a week and a half after that. So we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. But uh, you know, for those of you listening live, we'll have a little bit of listening, watching too. I'll uh, we'll have a bit of overtime coming up for you next. But uh, until then, thanks for listening. And we'll see you on Sunday.